Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. How is everyone today? I am so glad to see you here. Good to be back from Italy. Some of you are asking, how did it go? We had an amazing time. So good, in fact. I gained 10 pounds while I was there. I kid you not. I weighed myself before I left. I weighed myself when I got back, and I gained 10 pounds. I've managed to drop two and a half of them since I got back Thursday. So we're working on it. We're working on it. I'm so glad you're here today because we are starting a brand new series. Now, how many of you have discovered that sometimes in life things do not turn out the way you planned them to turn out? How many of you discovered that? For example, like this right here. <laughs> somebody messed up, right? Somebody messed up. Or oh, somebody right here. Better bring a blanket, okay? Bring a blanket if you're going to use that one. Somebody messed up, and that's going to be a rough ride. I pity the person in that wheelchair. That's going to be a rough one, okay? And uh, how low can you go, okay? Can you say messed up, somebody messed up? And that's going to hurt. That's going to come to an abrupt stop really, really, really fast. That's going to hurt. That looks like something I would have done, kid you not. I kid you not, that easily could have been me. And uh, bring a rope and swing over, I don't know, wear a hard hat, but that's going to hurt. And uh, yeah, I don't know, is that the last one? Yes, that's the last one. So, I mean, sometimes things don't turn out the way we want them to turn out, do they? And that's okay maybe when it comes to engineering projects. But when it comes to real life situations, when it comes to people, it's not that much fun, is it? When life gets messed up, when relationships get messed up. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been betrayed by someone that you thought you could trust? Raise your hand. Look at the hands. Just look around. Raise them up real high. You've, you've been betrayed by somebody that you thought you could trust. How many of you, 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 you did the right thing only to pay a high price for it? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. How many of you have ever been falsely accused of something? You were accused of something you did not do, okay? Can, can you say messed up? Yes. I mean, sometimes life gets messed up like that. If you answered yes to any of those questions, then you understand very well the life of Joseph. I'm excited about this series, The Life of Joseph, Messed Up, The Life of jo Joseph, The Story of Joseph, because his, in many, many ways, is a messed up story. So many messed up things taking place in, in this guy's life. And so we're going to take the next six weeks, and we're going to go through this story, and we're going to look at six scenes from the life of Joseph that begin in Genesis chapter 37. So I'm excited about this because... This is an amazing journey from the pit to the palace. This is an amazing journey from being victimized to being recognized as a world leader. It's, a, it's an incredible journey. It's an incredible story because Joseph was one of God's main men back in the day. And in fact, so important was Joseph that more space is dedicated to Joseph than any other biblical character. More than Adam, more than Noah, more than Abraham or Isaac, or either, even uh, Joseph's own father, Jacob. There's more time dedicated. 
And so we're going to begin today, obviously, by looking at the first scene in his life, the opening scene in Genesis 37. It's, it's a scene of jealousy and betrayal. A scene of jealousy and betrayal. Today, we would say we've been hosed or you've been jacked around or you've been stabbed in the back. And we know what that's like. We, we know what it's like. And, and in fact, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of man, jealousy and betrayal has, has been the, the pathway for human beings. You see it from the Garden of Eden all the way to the cross of Calvary. Jealousy and betrayal. For example, Adam and Eve were jealous of God and his knowledge, and so they betrayed him for a piece of fruit. Cain was jealous of his brother Abel, and so what did he do? He betrayed him in the worst possible way. He murdered Saul was jealous of David, and he betrayed him. Have you ever been betrayed? Yeah, all of us have. You, you've seen it. You've seen it in the eyes of your friend when you announce this new job that you got and this, this huge salary that comes with it. You've seen it in the eyes of your friend when you pull up in a new car. You've seen jealousy. I remember... The first time when I was truly in the crosshairs of jealousy and envy. I was only 23, and I've told you this story numerous times. I had moved to Indiana from North Carolina. My wife and I, I was 23. I was a young pastor, and I'd been at this church for three years, and I was loved by everybody. I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't love me? <laughs> who wouldn't like me? Well, the pastor who hired us moved and a new pastor came in who knew not George, who knew not Anne. Good morning. And, and I thought, he, he's going to like me just like everybody else likes me. Literally, within weeks, both barrels of jealousy and envy were loaded. And I was in the crosshairs. And the preacher's wife was holding the gun. And it hurts. It hurts. All of us have been there. Every single person in this room has been there. Because either, either you have kicked someone into the pit or you've been kicked into the pit. Either you have betrayed someone or you've been betrayed and my guess is you can say yep yep to both of those we we know what it's like so very well and so what happens when we get kicked into the pit of betrayal what happens to us some of you are there now maybe and you're wondering what's happening to me what happens when, when somebody betrays you that you thought you could trust? Well, I'll tell you what happens if we're not careful. We allow all kinds of negative emotions to begin to take control of our life. 
They just take over, and anger takes up residence in our life. Resentment begins to call the shots. And we cozy up to bitterness, and we are bent on getting even. We even lash out at God when, when, when that takes over our life, when these emotions take over. We even begin to lash out at God, and we bombard him with all of these questions. Why me, God? Why this? And why now? Because I'm trying my best to live for you. And so if we're not careful, all of these emotions, these negative emotions begin to control our life. Not only that, we begin to build these walls all around us. We build these walls of distrust. And we, we may not ever say it, but we think it. I'll never trust anybody again. I'll never trust another church. I'll never trust another pastor. I'll never trust another man. I'll never trust another leader. And we built this wall of, of distrust. We, we build up walls of paranoia. And, and we think everybody's out to get me. Everybody has it out for me. And, and then what eventually happens is we start inviting people into our pit with us. We start pulling them down into our pit because after all, nobody wants to have a pity party by themselves. And so we invite people into our pitiful situation to join us in our pity party because after all, misery loves company, right? And hurt people hurt people. And so when we, all this stuff begins to happen when we get kicked into the pit of betrayal if we're not careful. And so when life is messed up, when, when life has kicked you into the pit of betrayal, how do you respond? Well, let me just say to you, you have a choice. You have a choice when you get kicked into the pit. You can either break down or you can break through. You've got a choice. You can break down, and I see people break down when they get kicked into the pit, regardless of the reason, because people get kicked into the pit because of jealousy and, and envy, which is the reason for this story, or it could be lust, or it could be ambition, it could be greed. There's lots of reasons people get, get kicked into a pit. And so you've got your choice. You can either break down and you can turn to all kinds of unhealthy things or you can break out. But it's your choice. When, when you're in the pit, you've got the choice. You can look down and around at your circumstances, and a lot of people do, or you can look up to God. But it's your choice. Now, Joseph knew so very well what it was like to be kicked into a pit, literally, because of jealousy and betrayal. And so let's take a look at the first scene of his life. It begins in Genesis 37. His story goes all the way to the end of the book, chapter 50. And it begins in verse 2, and it says, This is the account of Jacob... He says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. Now, let's just stop there for a second, and let's begin with Joseph's whacked-out, dysfunctional, wheels-off family. Let's, let's just start there with, with, uh, with this family and, and Joseph's family, because if, if you think your family is dysfunctional, it's nothing compared to Joseph's family. 
I mean, your family is like the Brady Bunch compared to this bunch. I mean, you talk about whack-a-doodle-doo. This is a dysfunctional bunch. <laughs> Joseph's dad, um, Jacob, was his original name. And it was a name that suited him well because the, the name Jacob means deceiver. And that was a quality that characterized him from a young man. And then eventually it got changed to Israel because he wrestled with God and wouldn't let go until God gave him a blessing. And so there's this, this whole family history that shows the deep, deep dysfunction into which Joseph was born. In verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons, other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. Now, Jacob makes no bones about it that Joseph is his most favorite son. Of the 11 brothers, 11 other brothers, he's his most favorite. He was born uh, to his favorite wife, Rachel, in his old age. And so he makes no bones about the fact that Joseph is his favorite son. Not only does he not make any bones about it, he puts it on display by making uh, for Joseph this multicolored coat. You've heard of that before. And it has these long sleeves and it's ornamental. By the way, the Hebrew word ornamental uh, sounds like Gucci. <laughs> and so he, everybody say Gucci. Now you're speaking Hebrew. That's just a joke, okay? Don't, don't go out and tell somebody, guess what I learned in Hebrew today? And, uh, and so this coat is tailor-made for Joseph. The sleeves that come down to, you know, his wrist, this long comes down to his ankle, multicolor, and all this stuff. And, and what, what Jacob was doing was sending a very clear message to all of the other brothers is that Joseph is my heir, and he's not going to have to work like the rest of you are. And then we come to verse 4. When then his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they couldn't speak a kind word to him. You see, the brothers are getting angrier by the day. I mean, they are just getting so filled up with jealousy and envy, and you, you, you put those qualities in the hands of an already unquestionable bunch like these guys, it's no telling what they might do. It's no telling what they would do. And so they see him coming, and, and, and then and so even to, to make matters worse, as you know, Joseph had a dream. And it was in this dream that all of his brother's sheaves were bowing down to his and so he goes and runs to him and says, guess what, guess what? I had a dream and your sheaves are bowing down to mine. And the interpretation of it is, you're going to bow down to me. Well, that didn't set well because they already didn't like him. And they couldn't speak a kind word to him. And then he has another dream where the sun and the moon and the stars all bow down to him. And he's interpreted that dream and says, now, guess what? All of my family is going to bow down to me. And so things are getting worse by, by the moment. So one day, Jacob sent Joseph to check on his brothers who were tending flocks, and they saw him coming from a distance. And so in verse 17, so Joseph 
went after his brothers. Little did he know that they were after him. And so in verse 17, so Joseph went after them. And then verse 18, they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. And so you can picture this. The brothers are trash-talking Joseph and what they're going to do. And let's kill the guy. Let's just get rid of him. And they made the decision to, to kick him into a pit. And so here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now. Let's kill him. And let's throw him into one of these cisterns to, and, and then say that a ferocious animal devoured him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Let me stop there and let me make a point. Write this in your note. Betrayal comes from people who are closest to us. Betrayal doesn't typically happen from people that are out on the fringes somewhere that you don't spend a lot of time with. Betrayal typically happens, mostly comes from people who are closest to you. I remember hearing T.D. Jakes years ago teaching. He was teaching about leadership. And he made a statement that I will never forget. He says, there is a Judas at every table, and he's close enough to kiss you. Betrayal comes from people who are closest to you. Coworker, good friend, maybe even a family member. And so there's lots of things that lead to, to betrayal. Like I mentioned a moment ago, it could be lust, it could be ambition, it could be greed. All of those things lead to betrayal. But in this story, you want to know what fuels the betrayal? Envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy fuel the betrayal of the brothers. And it all starts with a look. That's where it begins. It just begins with a look. Look at what she has. Look at where they get to go. Look at the house they live in. It all begins with a look. And and you see an opportunity. You, You see an open door to push somebody into the pit, kick them into the pit. Let's talk about this this thing of jealousy just a little bit. If you are a theist, by any sense of the definition, then your issue with jealousy and envy really isn't an issue between you and another person. It really is an issue between you and God. It's really an issue between you and God. It, it, it's really it's something that, that, that you're fighting down inside, and it's really between you and God. Jealousy, envy, it fuels betrayal. Do you remember, you remember King Saul? And you remember how um, David went out to fight Goliath? You remember that? And Saul should have been the one fighting, but he didn't, and so David did, and he won the battle. And then they began singing David's praises. You know, David, David, he's our man. Saul couldn't do it, so David can, you know. And it goes something like that. 
Actually, it, it went, you know, Saul, you know, I mean, it's like a ticker tape parade, and they're coming back into town, and, and they're shouting, David, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. And if you go to, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 18, verse 9, you'll find this, this line. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Hmm. He kept a jealous eye on, on David. You see, whenever, whenever somebody has the crazy eye, of jealousy and envy, it's just a matter of time before they will kick you into the pit. It's just a matter of time. Because this is what we have to watch out for. This is what I've had to watch out for, and, and I'll bet you have too. Whenever we see anybody with the blessing of God upon their life, whenever we see anybody with the Gucci robe of God's favor walking toward you, you've got to be really careful that you don't get the crazy eyes of jealousy and envy. And why, is, why does he get all the breaks? Why does he have 5,000 people attending his church? And I'm, I'm a better speaker than he is, and I've only got 2,500. Why does he write a book, and it's really not that good, and he makes bank? The crazy eyes of jealousy and envy. And, and so... As I mentioned a moment ago, my jealousy and my envy, they're really an issue between God and me. Because this is what we, what we think. We may not ever say it, but God, you did that for them. Why can't you do that for me? Why didn't you do that for me? And that jealousy that really is, is played out with another person is really an issue between you and God. And, and that's why. Gratitude is such an important characteristic. Living every day with this, this, uh, this heart of gratitude so that jealousy and the enemy doesn't begin to rear its ugly head. And, and so what we have to understand is God's economy is not fair. It isn't fair. And we wonder, why, do they, why are they blessed? Why am I not blessed? And, and we've got to be careful about that. So I want to say something to those of you in the room today who have betrayed others. And it's, it's probably most of us, if not all of us, okay? If, you've, if you have betrayed others, let me just say a word to you. Do you really want to be known as a betrayer? Do you want to be known as a person who can't keep their word? Do you want to be known as a person who can't be trusted? Remember that first church I told you about where I was betrayed? The church we went to, I had the opportunity to betray I'd been there about six years, and the church wasn't growing, and I wasn't the senior pastor. There was another guy. He was a great guy, but he wasn't a good leader. and wasn't a good communicator, and people were frustrated. And he kept saying, if the church hasn't grown by this time next year, I'll leave. And he said that over and over for about three or four years. And finally, the leaders of the church got really frustrated and said, what can we do to get this church to grow again? And they were grasping at straws. I mean, they said, well, I'll tell you what, let's do. Let's have two services, and George, you preach one, and Ken, you preach the other one. And I said, that's not going to work. That's stupid. That'll divide the church. You won't believe this, but they even suggested, let's give bonuses for baptisms. <laughs> Can you believe that? If you ever wonder, where did we get the idea of spontaneous baptisms? <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Okay, we... We don't, we don't do that. We don't do that. But, 
but I had the chance, and because I had people saying, you know, George, we want you to preach. We don't like you when he preaches. And, and I said, I don't like it. I, w- I went to Ken. I said, Ken, I don't like this. And I'll preach if you want me to, but I don't want to because I don't like being put in this position. Even the, the chairman of our church board said, George, when it's not written anywhere, but when Ken leaves, we're going to ask you to become the senior pastor. I was in a prime position to kick him into the pit. And I'm not saying this to impress you. I'm just, I'm just saying this to impress upon you that, that when you're in a position to kick somebody into the pit, do you really want to be known as a betrayer? Do you really want to be known as a backstabber? And so let me say something to those of you in the room who have betrayed, which again is probably all of us. Here's number one. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to forgive you of your jealousy. Because remember, it, it really is an issue between you and God and not the other person. That, that internal thing you got going on is showing itself externally with other people, but it's really an issue you have with God. Let me show you a verse in James 4.1. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? That's the internal conflict. You want something, but you don't get it. You're jealous. You're envious. You don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. And so you quarrel and you fight. That's the external conflict. You see, the external conflict that you have many times with other people is really an issue that you have with God. And and so ask God to forgive you of your jealousy. Here's number two. Bring to God your deepest desires and unmet needs. Bring to God your deepest desires and your unmet needs. That's what God wants you to do. I'm not saying God's going to give you everything you ask for because God loves you too much to do that. But what he he wants you and me to do is to recognize that we are dependent upon him for everything and everything we have comes from him. So he wants us to to bring to him our our deepest desires and our unmet needs. And here's number three. Go to the person that you've kicked in the pit and ask him for forgiveness. Go to the person that you have betrayed and ask them to to forgive you. That's the best advice I can give you. Now, they may not extend it to you. They may not say, I forgive you, but that's okay. You do your part because you need to take that step. Now, let me speak to those of you who are in the pit right now. Let me speak to those of you in the room who have been betrayed and you're in the pit. Because the reality is you're, you're pre-pit or you're in the pit or you're post-pit, okay? You're one or the other. You're, you're pre-pit or, or you're maybe in the pit or you're post-pit. But you're one or the other, okay? And, and so what do you do? Let me suggest some things to you. I think this is so important. We, we learned this from, from Joseph. Number one is... Make it a pit stop. Now, in your notes, it says don't make it a pit stop. I want you to put an X through that, okay? I I changed my thoughts after I turned in my notes, and I changed that. Make it a pit stop. Make it a pit stop, not a pit stay. Do you know anybody who's been kicked in the pit, and they've learned to like it? And they, they put up mailbox and they got uh, house numbers uh, 666, uh, pity me way. <laughs> and so they're inviting you into their pit and they want you in their pity party. You don't, you don't want to stay in the pit. God did not intend for you to stay in the pit. You're going to get kicked in the pit. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to find yourself in a pit. <laughs> now turn back to him and say, but God does not want you to stay there. 
God doesn't want you to stay there. It's, it's a pit stop, not a permanent dwelling place. Don't make it a permanent dwelling place because if you do, you're going to stop loving, you're going to stop trusting, you're going to stop believing, you're going to stop growing. All that stuff begins to happen to you if you make it a pit stop and you stay there. I mean, if you make it a pit stay. Don't make it a pit stay. Make it. A, thank you. Would you come up here and preach this message for me? I appreciate that. Here's number two. Here's, here's number two. Sometimes we need to be broken down before there can be a breakthrough. Sometimes you need to be broken down before you can be, find a breakthrough. Joseph, maybe he needed to be broken down. Maybe I needed to be broken down. Maybe you need to be broken down. And that's okay. That's okay. In fact, I'm glad that God allowed me to go into that pit. And the reason I'm glad is because God used it for good. He used it for good. And I don't have time to even get into all of that, but, but he used it for good. Here's number three, and this is so important. In the pit, God is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. In the pit, God is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. Sometimes when we get in the pit, we think God has left us. No, God has not left you when you're in the pit. In fact, that might be exactly where God wants you to be right now. Why? Because it's in the pit that God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. When I was in the pit way back when I was 23, I didn't know it then. I couldn't see it then, but God was preparing me for what he had prepared for me. I would not be here today in Oregon, and I would not have started this church had I not been kicked into the pit way back when I was 23 years old. I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. And so you may be in the pit today, what I want you to understand is that God in the pit is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Which leads me to the last point. Stop asking why me and start asking what's next? What's next, God? What's next? Quit asking, God, why me? Why me? Why did you kick me in this pit? Why am I here? Why not them? I'm trying to be the best I can. I'm trying to do the best I can. Why me? Stop asking why me and start asking, okay, God, what's next? What's next? Because what you've got to believe is that God did not intend for you to stay in the pit. In fact, what God wants to do is use the pit to, again, prepare you for what he's prepared for you. And so when you, if you're in the pit right now, and I don't know why you're in the pit. It could be because of jealousy. It could be because of envy. It could be because of lust. It could be because of greed. It could be because of ambition. I don't know why you're in the pit. It could be one of your own making. Instead of asking, why me? Start asking, okay, God, what's next? Because I know you haven't given up on me. I know you haven't left me. What's next? You see, God specializes in lifting people out of the pit. So instead of looking down and looking around, look up to God because God is the one who can help you experience a breakthrough. He can help you to move up. He can help you to move on. 
to even better things that he has for you. That's what the psalmist understood. And I want you to read this verse with me as we close out. Psalm 40, verse 2. With great enthusiasm, let's read this together. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. You may be in the pit today, but God wants to lift you up. He can lift you up, and he does that through Jesus. Look up, look up to him. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head as we close out. And today, if you find yourself in a pit, if you find yourself getting ready to kick someone into the pit, just stop, stop, stop. And look to Jesus to help you. Help you to be a trustworthy person. Help you to be a dependable person. An upright person. Or to help you climb out of the pit. Ask him to help you. Ask him to help you. Some of you have never given your life to Jesus. You need Jesus in your life. Without Jesus, believe me, life is nothing but one big pit. But Jesus came to lift you out of that. If you want to invite Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord today, would you pray with me this prayer? I'm going to ask you to pray this aloud. And I'm going to invite everyone who's invited Jesus to be saved and Lord to also pray with me. Father in heaven, today I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming into the filth of this world so that you can lift me up out of the pit. Lift me up out of my sin and cover me with your blood and forgive me. Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior and Lord. I choose to follow you today. I pray this in your name.